It's unfair. Warning from the back to tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. Workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a metaphor to help and heal human I am a Jedi. Like my father before me. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Star Wars from the back to tank. This is Legends Wednesday. We did it. I could tell everyone's very excited about Legends Wednesday. I know I am. How about you, Dave? Excited for Legends Wednesday? I'm getting really excited for Legends Wednesdays now because we get to talk about stuff that is long forgotten. Yeah, but not long forgotten. (laughs) But still beloved. But still beloved. I think that's the key word there, beloved. I think a lot of us understand if we want to pride ourselves in having some type of logic, I think most of us can understand why many of this was retconned. Yes. It's just, it's filled with a lot of inconsistencies. Well, especially in for today's uh, topic, because we're dealing with arguably one of the best video games adaptations of any Star Wars game. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, like, me and you have always talked about how, like, Shadows of the Empire and and uh, Dark uh, Dark Forces, all those PC right. games were classic. But, honestly, if you ask a Star Wars fan today, they would probably bring this up as arguably the best Star Wars game by far. Yes, and that is, of course, Star Wars The Forced Unleashed, which as a project was announced, I want to say, in 2007 and came to fruition in 2008. Uh, So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Star Wars The Force Unleashed is an unfinished multimedia project developed by LucasArts along with Dark Horse Comics, Lego, Hasbro, and Del Rey Books. It consists of a video game released in September 2008, a second video game released in October 2010, Uh, Two corresponding tie-in novels, action figures, a comic book, a reference book, a role-playing game supplement, and a book on the making of the game. This, Dave, is the only project that rivals what Lucas did in the early 90s with Shadows of the Empire. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it went so far as to also not just for what the game brought to the table, but outside of the game. I mean, it was because of this game, we get one of the most, I would say, fan-friendly and fan-beloved actors in Star oh, yeah, Wars. Sam Whitmer. Sam Whitmer. And Sam Whitmer always gets asked, will he ever portray yeah. Starkiller yeah, well, ever again? Dave, it, it just wouldn't fit. It would not fit. Now, if you were to introduce Starkiller again... Like we always talk about. Oh, there's so many fun fan theor- fan theories and fan 
yeah. you know, creative storytelling that, you know, people have said, oh, they can throw him in as one of Luke's Luke's students that gets slaughtered by Kylo Ren. Right. And it'd be cool because Sam is yeah, Sam's in that we, age range. Do we want to find out, though, that Starkiller fell at the hands of Kylo Ren? Come on. Another beloved character got killed got off killed. by Kylo <laughs> Ren. Kylo Ren. What a way to make everyone hate the guy. Come on. Well, that's that's the thing. It would create such a fan hate for Kylo Ren because he he arguably arguably would become like one of the most hated characters. Oh, yeah, easily. So after the Walt Disney Company acquired Lucasfilm in 2012 and began production of the Star Wars sequel trilogy, the Unleashed Project, along with all other Star Wars expanded universe works, was discarded from the current current Star Wars canon and reassigned as part of the Legends non-canical stories preventing the video game series representing it from continuing further past Unleashed 2. Now, despite this project being a massive multimedia effort, uh, we are going to focus on one portion of the multimedia effort. Most of our attention will be on the graphic novel itself, uh, we may move into get video game talk at a later time, and we do have various other discussions planned for Legends Wednesday later this year centered around this storyline. But for now, we're going to use the graphic novel as the platform for our broad discussion today. Uh, that being said, the biggest success to the series had was through its main distro hub, the video game console. It was initially developed for the PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, Wii, Xbox 360 consoles, and on iOS, the second-generation Engage, Nintendo DS, PlayStation Portable, and Java-equipped mobile phone handheld. See, that's the problem with Star Wars today. Yeah. Is that we're limited to EA. That's the thing, is because of that, that exclusivity. And EA has very specific people they like to deal with, whereas LucasArts was like, hey, well, do you want a game? You get a game, and you, you get, get a game. You get a character. You get a character. Go ahead and yeah. do whatever you want. <laughs> we need more of that, please. <laughs> all right, so the graphic novel, let's get into this project and what it was all about uh, and some initial thoughts and details. It was written by Hayden Blackman, who was also the game's author. So I thought that was fitting. This was quite the undertaking. As we said at the top of the show, Dave, true multimedia project during a time when everything was governed under, for the most part, one creative mind being George Lucas. This was very similar to the strategy behind Shadows of the Empire. And I think for the past month or so, we have really delved into that Shadows of the Empire talk, not the material as a whole, but using it as an example for various things. And that mean, yeah, dude, this is Shadows of the Empire Part 2 in yes. a lot of ways. You had everything but the movie. You had all the merchandising, all the licensing, everything that goes with a movie launch, a blockbuster movie launch, minus the movie. Yes. And Force Unleashed, the video game, was the movie for this multimedia transmedia project that continued the story through various means, through various tie-in media outlets. It's, it was a, it's an undertaking. It is an undertaking, but I mean, like that, that type of old school handling of the Star Wars franchise gave us so many great moments. And this was like a reminder of that, because like, if you think about it, when they did that with Shadows of the Empire, it gave us characters like Dash Rendar, Prince Zizor, uh, all those great moments and all those great stories and books that came yeah, out. Yep. 
And essentially what they did here was the same thing. And they gave us a character that became so beloved by Star Wars fans that to this day, they basically say he needs yeah. to be introduced into canon. He's one of my favorites, Dave. And on last Legends Wednesday, he was on my list of characters. We he just, was on my we list just couldn't get to it. So the, the problem the problem with Starkiller is how do you fit that, though? Because essentially, and this is a fantastic concept when you think about it, a secret apprentice of Darth Vader. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it creates all types of problems. That's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, because, you see it in the comics. You know, like Palpatine had his secret yeah. menagerie of apprentices that were supposed to kill Vader in the canon comics. Now, in the, the Marvel, canon comics. yes. But Dave, okay, like so, like you said, it, this whole thing was designed to launch a new hero into Star Wars canon within the expanded universe, right? Yes. Galen. Uh, AKA star killer. He would be an apprentice to Darth Vader and yeah. would inevitably be a pawn and a plan that would be devised to flush out the last of the emperors or empires would be enemies. Yes. A plan that would end up creating inadvertently the very first version of what we would see, I guess, or what would, let me rephrase that of what would become the rebel Alliance. And we're going to get into that a bit later because that's definitely worthy of a discussion. And I'm not quite sure if I'm keen on that idea. A lot of it works. I feel like it makes sense. But again, moving into this new era, definitely needing some cleanup for sure. Yes. So Lucas's involvement, Dave, let's talk about that. He was there like he was most of the time for projects, but it was limited. He was the man that would offer story solutions, thoughts, opinions. Yes. George Lucas had say creatively, but was for the most part hands off. He had stipulations, how the story was told and the adherence to typical classic Star Wars motifs. In fact, I'm going to read a portion from the introduction of this comic book that I think is actually really interesting. And there's a lot of things we can take away from this. Give me a second here. I'm old, so I got to turn on the light. Um, okay, so this is the author, Hayden Blackman. He says, uh, I knew walking into the meeting that Lucas might balk at some of our story ideas. But ironically, the big ideas about which I was most worried didn't cause much debate. Lucas approved our desire to cast the player in the role of Darth Vader's secret apprentice. He even spent a great deal of time describing how Vader would motivate his apprentice through fear and a promise of overthrowing the emperor together. He approved the story setting between episode three and four, a time period that had previously been largely off limits and offered us great insight into the political events of that era. Even ideas that was ultimately felt were too outlandish and would eventually drop from the story, such as the notion that the apprentice might commune with the spirit of Qui-Gon Jinn or Master Mace Windu. Uh, and they weren't rejected. However, Lucas did have three major concerns about the story. And this is where it gets interesting, Dave. And this is this is why. And I always got to preface this because we get trolled sometimes. Yes. This is what this is what the new era of Disney, the new era of Star Wars is missing. There's a lot of greatness coming with this new era. Absolutely. But this is what it's missing right here. Lucas, however, said he had three major concerns about the story that would dramatically alter the plot. First, he was not comfortable with Princess Leia being protected by the apprentice. Second, he felt that the emperor, who never made an appearance in our original draft, needed to have a much larger presence in the game. Absolutely. It made perfect sense. 
And third, and perhaps most important, and I agree, he was adamant that we needed to populate our story with new characters who fulfilled familiar Star Wars archetypes in new ways. Characters who would later become a Jedi mentor and who transforms from a militant general to a blind drunk, yet still manages to teach (laughs) the apprentice something about the Force. And that was the thing with Force Unleashed was like the side characters that they created besides the main ones like Vader, the Emperor, and and everybody else, everyone was brand new. I mean, my favorite my favorite side character is Proxy. Yeah, I agree. The character that they created, again, another droid. What? Proxy was freaking awesome because he was so different than any droid we've seen up to that point where Proxy was kind of like a cross between C3, or C-3PO and... I would say K2SO. K2SO before K2SO. Yeah. Maybe even Triple um, Zero. Yeah. But Proxy could fight. Yeah. That was the first thing that really caught my attention was this was a droid that was programmed to combat fight. And not only combat fight, you know, like. Designed to murder his designed master. Designed to murder his master. <laughs> he was He was basically programmed to mimic famous Jedis and Sith of the time, their yeah. fighting style. Yeah, but, you know, and that's where some of the story elements I I disagree with. Like, when that's part of the inconsistencies that I just didn't like. For example, we assume that the entire universe knew now that Anakin Skywalker was the Jedi that slayed all everyone and he became Darth Vader, right? Yes. Well, we've always been told in various things that that was the mystery. We didn't know. But in this comic book, as well as the game... It was known that he was once Anakin. They knew of Obi-Wan. Everyone knew about Obi-Wan and Anakin's connection. And that was made clear through proxies simulations. Simulations, yeah. And I don't know if I agree with that. It creates a lot of questions even before. I'm talking prior to um, Lucasfilm being bought by Disney. That was an issue I had with this story. I was like, well, that's supposed to be a secret. It was very... I felt like that was very clear at the end of Revenge of the Sith that, you know, not everyone knows that Anakin's the one who turned to the darkness. That it would be a secret. Yeah. So that part I didn't quite agree with, you know, however, again, look at Clone Wars. Clone Wars also being, in my opinion, one of the most important pieces of Star Wars that we've ever received. Even Star Wars was in Star Wars. Clone Wars was um, a little inconsistent with what we saw in unleashed unleashed so that's why again justifying disney's retconning i understand why they needed to retcon this because even clone wars if we had a choice between unleashed and clone wars which one are you gonna pick oh you're gonna pick clone wars. you're gonna pick clone wars because yeah. even what we received in clone wars which came out most definitely came out after force unleashed 2007 was when this project was being worked on 2008 is when it was released and the first clone wars film came out in 2008 so Moving forward into the Clone Wars territory, suddenly we realize there's already issues there. Mm-hmm. And that's George Lucas doing what George Lucas always did. He didn't put priority in the expanded universe. He put priority in the the live action and the cartoon Clone Wars was going to be his new extension of that. Yeah. So he didn't care. He was a bull in a china shop. Oh, you did this in that book. You did this in that comic book. You did this in the video game. Ah, who cares? Who cares? And, and that's the thing is when you look at Force Unleashed, Honestly, 
when you compare it to the other ones that are considered that were brought into canon, like Clone Wars, it's the concepts that only make this make this uh, piece of the Legends history really strong. If you look at like basically like the story as a whole, it is kind of like a cut and paste version of the tried and true George Lucas stereotypes. You have your master, you have your apprentice, you have your love interest who you're not, is she, is she a good, is she a good guy? Is she a bad guy? And like, make sure she's hot. And she wears a short shirt and her ass hangs out. But the classic George Lucas. I love (laughs) God bless George Lucas. Can we get a little bit of George Lucas back in here, please? Oh, absolutely. I think there's a certain style that he brings to the table. Let's just be, let's just be uh, men for a second here. Okay. I know the whole new cool thing is not to flaunt people's bodies, right? It's oh, women's bodies. Don't let them do that because suddenly we're afraid of sexuality. And not saying you need to put every woman that way. You don't have to. But it, there's the pulpy flair to it. And I think that's what people have forgotten. Star Wars is heavily pulp. Oh, yeah. It's Princess of Mars. The Princess of Mars. Exactly, David. And when you take that away, it kind of loses something. You know, and what we end up getting is Ray dressed up in homeless garb for three <laughs> movies. For three movies. Yeah. And it, 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 there's a certain style that's missing out of like the personality, not style, personality. Yeah, because George brings a lot of personality to the table because he is a brilliant concept, an idea man, and you see that in this in, in this particular in this particular project of Force Unleashed. Because well, remember, they just brought him in to give ideas, and those ideas are, you know, blessings from heaven when you think about it. Because it's what governs all of his movies, even though even if you don't like or all his films or you think some of those films are weak like the prequels perhaps i love them but uh even if you don't necessarily like all of his work lucas always had a specific goal and mindset yeah what are you going to do that's new let's not regurgitate let's not redo let's not rehash and his exact words and advice for Hayden black men was exactly his vocal issue. He was force awakens. Now I love force awakens, but after Lucas said what he said, it made sense. It makes sense. He said, but what did they do? That's new. They didn't do anything. That's new. You have my characters, my planets, (laughs) but what's new. And that's what James Cameron said as well. He said, Hey, you know, Force Awakens is amazing. It's an amazing accomplishment in terms of cinema. J.J. Uh, Abrams, he said, J.J. Abrams is one of my closest friends. He's all, but, you know, if you, you're you asking me and my honest thoughts is he didn't really do anything new. Yeah. He's all, say what you want about George Lucas's early movies, is what James Cameron said. He's all, but you always knew George Lucas would push the boundaries. He would do something new. And Force Awakens felt a lot like the same things that we have witnessed before and and in my in a defense of jj i feel like he was just getting the ball rolling he was getting things going yes however it's amazing to see how consistent george lucas is going way back to 2007 with the advice to hayden blackman and his thoughts on force awakens what are you gonna do that's new that's and, new. and that's what we've been saying since i don't know how long now dave it's time to move forward it's time to kind of forget you know regurgitating Let's move on. 
That's why that's new why, stories, new characters. And that's why I feel I do feel like they succeeded. They succeeded in that aspect with the Force Unleashed with Starkiller. They were trying to create a new legacy, a new era of Star Wars. And and the beautiful thing, not just with Starkiller, but everybody else. Everybody all the characters, all the characters are fairly unique. They are the atypical George Lucas stereotype uh, or motifs. Motifs. Yeah. However, they're totally different types of characters. There is no there is no droid like Proxy in the Star Wars universe like there is. If you look at what Proxy does up to this point, no. Nothing. And if you look at uh I forgot what the character's name is that basically the blind uh the blind Jedi the blind master. Jedi, which is samurai as fuck. Yeah. God damn, it's so good. That that character, do we have that in in, in Star Wars? Nope. But Donnie Yen's character a bit. Donnie Yen's character, yes, to a degree, but not like not like what we saw with that Jedi Master. I mean, that Jedi Master was bringing in new concepts of how to look at Jedi Force powers right. differently. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, so, all right, so this comic book, The Force Unleashed, was published, as I said, August 18th, 2008. Uh, Newsarama called the graphic novel a solid story that matches the video game source material in both structure and plot. IGN gave the graphic novel a score of 6.9 out of 10 uh, for art, 7.5 for the writing. I feel like a, a bit low. I actually totally dug the art. I'd, I'd go, totally I'd go a little higher I'd go that. a little bit. A little, a little bit higher, it's in the 8 range. Uh, yeah, now... Writing maybe a little lower. They're giving it 7.5 out of 10. It wasn't horrible. There were some pacing issues at times, but overall it worked. Uh, praising the overall story, but faulty inconsistencies in the art and questioning whether the comic medium was the best way to convey the story. I feel like it's one of the best ways. I feel like video games and comics go hand in hand. They're both very hyper real. Yes. So and, I, and I feel like it worked. I think it got the high ranks because it stuck to the actual story. I mean, if you if you read the graphic novel, essentially yeah. you played the game because right. that's how the game actually goes. The only you gotta think of your intended market. Yeah, you the, know? that's what you got to worry about. The only difference in the and the graphic novel and the game is the ending because yes, it followed one of the video game endings, but. In the video game, at least you got the alternate ending. Right. And you could do the alternate ending where you choose the dark side instead of the light side. And a lot of people say that basically the dark side choice was a better story. But overall, I think the reason why that this got such a high high mark back then was because it stuck – to the store it stuck to the story and the story within the game was actually really good yes and also dave it, it was a solid story i do agree with that I, the, the scripting needed a little tweaking here and there yeah but the story itself felt like star wars for the most part there were some issues i had with the forced aspects and i'll get into that in a second i really though had to separate myself from everything from everything we've been given since 2012 and 2013 because you know, t- when you're dealing with years and years of Star Wars, you start forgetting, okay, when did this story happen? When did they change this? When did they change that? And I had to separate myself because then I started questioning, well, no, they already did this. Yeah. So because I, I so because of that, I'd agree the story's just fine. There are some inconsistencies in logic or the practicalities of the force. And first off, I applaud Hayden Blackman for wanting to tell a bold new take and make readers question what we know of the force. That was his goal. 
Yes. And I like that that was at the center of his story, of his story idea. It wasn't about how can I make big explosions? Ha ha. It was about what can I do? That's new. How can I do a bold new take? I mean, he was so bold in his idea that he was nervous going into the meeting with George Lucas that George Lucas was going to just shoot his ass down. And fortunately, Lucas understands the different mediums and understands that, hey, this is a great story for a video game. In fact, he says that there's a quote. He's all this is a great story for a video game. Go do it. So I understand some of this hyper real aspects is because it's a video game. But because it's a video game and then we adapted it over to a novel and a comic, suddenly now it's within true Star Wars. It's within it's more than just a video game. That's what I should say. It's yeah. more than just a video game. And now you start questioning certain things. He took the idea of the force, right? Okay. Cause he wanted to rework it. This neutral energy field that you can feel touch and manipulate. It's something natural at times being the very aspect of nature itself. Kind of like the universe's way of maintaining control and balance. Yes. The idea of the force is very, very philosophical. Hayden Blackman takes this concept and kind of turns it into a form of volatile raw energy that can be used as a physical turbulent weapon of mass destruction. Yeah. He, he basically went the route of, okay, in the prequels, everyone understands that George tried to actually introduce metachlorians. Well, Hayden Blackman wanted to actually take that concept of George's and just go further with it. And make and give some more basis to the science aspect instead of the mythic aspect and try to explain, oh, you know, the force now is like just like what you said. It's an energy field. It's always been an energy field, but it, was, it wasn't designed. It wasn't ever described as this massive. In crazed induced turbulent force, there is yes. a that whole thing that Blackman did, I felt was. It, okay, the idea, and I'm torn uh, with this because as a video game player, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. But then when you take yourself away from that, from the video game aspect, and you're just reading the comic book, you're just like, yeah, that's a bit much. That's a little over the top. It is. It, the I idea mean, kind of destroys the classiness or zen-like yes. aspects of the force. The force has never been monstrous. Yes, it's extremely powerful. But there's a beauty to the dark side. There's Zen-like qualities. Even, let's go to the dark side for a second. Even from the perspective or the aspects of the dark side of the force, it isn't some turbulent, uncontrollable power. It is still a beautiful thing. It's very natural. Palpatine and Vader, how do they become more powerful? Through meditation. Through Zen-like actions. I mean, look at Tarkin's novel that came out a few years back. In order to unlock the ways of the force and become the ultimate power of the universe, it didn't require going out and turning the force into a turbulent super weapon. No, it was it would require study and discipline, just like the ways of the samurai. And and the thing is, in, in Force Unleashed, it turns it into kind of like this brutal tool. It's yeah. a brutal tool. They take something Zen and turn it into brutality. Yes. And again, Dave, I'm okay with that. I don't think it destroys the story, 
But in this regard, I understand why stories like this needed to be retconned. Yeah. It was just the extreme video game aspects that doesn't really hold up. There just wasn't a lot of consistency within the rest of the world of Star Wars. Yeah, the only thing that really helped the concept was the fact that me as a Star Wars fan could actually phantom this is because it's the the character that's doing it. It's Starkiller, a character that's been trained by Darth Vader from the dark side who uses, you know, raw emotion and hate and anger and all that stuff to power himself. And like you, it took me a while to suspend disbelief because I had to tell myself, okay, I can say that Starkiller can do this in the way he's practicing the force because I, he's being taught by Darth Vader. Who, See, I felt like it was just unjustifiable. That's my, that's, I think my biggest problem with it. Yes. I feel like that's how I felt. Okay. It was, it was, his power was unjustified for one thing, because it's kind of like Vader just goes, ah, I found this child. Okay. I'll teach him. Right. Because <laughs> I feel like a lot of these over Dave. Okay. So if Hayden would have embedded a reason behind Starkiller's extreme powers, why some of these elements were over the top. Then I think a lot of these issues that I have with the aspects of the force in this comic and the overall force unleashed story, I'd be okay with it. But within the, and maybe he was going to get to it later. Maybe. I, I don't know if he was going to explain why star killer was so important and why he was so powerful. It was just unjustifiable. We needed more justifiable reasons as to why star killer can turn this energy field into a turbulent weapon because justifiable reasons why this character was so powerful defeating vader mm -hmm. nearly killing the emperor when people that i jedi had worked had a, seemed to have more difficulty doing that yeah i i just we needed more than just oh he was an apprentice of darth vader well then why isn't darth vader doing all this doing we're, all we're this. talking about the dark lord of the sith it takes and we don't from, see him doing all these things and and it really really almost takes away from what is one of the most important elements to the star wars franchise which is the skywalker saga yeah exactly because, dave because if if star killer is this powerful why the heck is Luke important? <laughs> yes. Because, and, and, and that was yep. the thing, especially in the one part of the game where it's, it's the most classic moment in the entire franchise of the game where Starkiller brings down a Star Destroyer. And I remember playing this. And I'm going, man, this is awesome. This is epic. But after this, everyone kept everyone under the sun that was a Star Wars fan that I was talking to said, if Starkiller can do this, what the heck can Luke do? Yeah. And all of a sudden you, you, you realize, oh, shoot, they, they kind of went over the top and basically now you bring into question about the Skywalker legacy. And I think that that's one of the problems that even today the movies ran into and why you had to retcon this. Because think about it. When we got to Last Jedi, everyone was expecting Luke to show his true power. You unlimited know, power. Unlimited power. And when you get to that point where he was able to project himself from one planet to another to, I'm sorry, to, um, this might sound bad to some people, but to some less sophisticated people, oh, whoa. 
that may not be impressive as like, I'm going to take out a Star Destroyer from space. Right. But it is. But it is. When you think of the grand scheme of things, that is more of what it's Luke not did as was flashy. More. It's not as flashy. Right. But, but in the grand scheme of things, when you sit back and you have to think about it, that's more powerful than what we saw in Starkiller. Right. But, but here was the funny point. When when that happened in Last Jedi, so many of my friends are like going, still doesn't prove that he's more powerful than Starkiller. I'm like going, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And I know there's probably people that are really aggravated with us right now, but I don't want people taking us the wrong way. I love Starkiller as yeah. a character. I think what Hayden Blackman did at this time was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. It just, it creates a lot of questions. And maybe with Force Unleashed 3 that we'll never see, maybe he was going to get dig deeper into maybe they're going to get into Galen's bloodline a bit more and and say, hey, this is the reason why he was so powerful. This is the reason why the Emperor and Vader chose him as the apprentice to yeah. manipulate because they knew his power, but they never got to that. And that's why. I feel like in retrospect, this character, it just brings up a lot of questions. And that's the problem is like this character is fantastic. It brings up a lot of good questions, but it brings up a lot of bad questions. And 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 the biggest and foremost, we got to remember that this whole era right now is um, defined by Skywalker. Yes. Yes. Moving forward into the new era of Star Wars, we're going to probably move past that or we are moving past that. But r- this time frame needs to be about skywalkers and i feel like this puts all of the focus on one man on star killer and his ability to uh be rise above and create the rebel alliance which again is an issue i have in retrospect when i read it didn't have a problem with it but now kind of do the origins of the rebel alliance now there's there's this whole comic to me dave presents so many well it's awesome but this Oh, there's always pros and cons, it seems like, with this comic book now yes. for me. Yeah. For example, the fact that the Rebel Alliance was a product of Vader and Palpatine, I thought was one of the best aspects of the comic. Oh, yeah. The yeah. fact that their arrogance would eventually bring about their destruction because they thought, hey, let's create an enemy so that we can flush out all of our enemies, make them come out the woodwork out of hiding, and then we're going to kill them all. Well, I mean, remember, that's what Palpatine brought up to Vader at one point in the book was like, well, now now we've created yep. our destruction. <laughs> I love it. It's we, so good. We thought the plan was to bring out all the people that were against us, slay them all, and remove that opposition. But now, because of this one person standing up, now all of them have galvanized all together and created an alliance that will lead to our downfall. And I that's one of my favorite points of not just the comic, but of the game story mm-hmm. was because it really does show that it, it, it showed the Emperor and the, uh, Vader at a weak point, but it didn't take away from their teeth because we all understood they're from the Sith side. They're one of the things that will lead to their downfall is their arrogance. It's been something that's been harped on by... Uh, by Yoda and everything else about the Sith is, oh, their arrogance will lead to their downfall. And so it made sense. And it was such a poignant moment that basically it it made Starkiller this epic grand, grand character that honestly, when you take into retrospect, compare 
Starkiller, who created Rebel Alliance, to Jen Erso, who created the Rebel, who who led to the Re- Rebel Alliance in Rogue One. Yeah. Well, the, the moment of the moment of uh, of Starkiller is it just seems more epic. It is more epic because it feels like in this new era of Star Wars, it wasn't just one person that led to the Rebel Alliance. The Rebel Alliance. It was almost like various pieces all governed under the theme of hope. Yeah, you had the Rebel. You had the Rebels crew. You had Bail Organa. You had the the the, the guerrilla fighters of uh, the one character that I personally like from Rogue One that ended up dying. <laughs> yeah. And then you had Jinder Urso and all those elements came together. But if you think about it back then, we didn't have that. So compare that to what we got. You're talking about Saw Gerrera? Saw Gerrera. Yeah. Compare that to what we got from Starkiller now. You, we have this more based on reality type of element that is much more cohesive. It is, it's more realistic, and Dave. Realistic. And when you think about it, the small cogs in the machine, right? Okay. All working together under the one idea that there's hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel, right? Yes. And that light is Luke Skywalker. So they're all working together. And that's why I feel like that. This is where Disney succeeded. I feel like the it feels much more substantial. Yes, real and just feels like so many people were working together, unknowing that one pocket was over here. Look at Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, one pocket over here, one pocket over here, and realizing that some grand power is trying to bring them all together to get to that very moment when Luke would unite and solidify the rebel alliance. It makes it a more personal type of storytelling. It makes it more about Luke. Yeah, it makes it more about about Luke, but it also gives us as the audience a more personal feeling to it like we can be part of that. Right. It's almost like I'm a part of it. I'm it, a rebel. It's almost like <laughs> that type of storytelling I noticed is getting is is more popular nowadays than the classics classic storytelling like the hero. Mm-hmm. The Focusing on one hero that rises above all. And Force Unleashed is more like a classic hero t- hero tale. Mm-hmm. When you look at what yeah. when you look at what Disney was able to do now. It's centered more about one man, around yeah. one man. And and again, looking at the focus of what Hayden was doing is trying to create a new legacy. That was the point. Exactly. And like a lot of people, it's an arguing point among fans. Which one do they like better? But in all honesty, when you look at it, neither one, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just basically um, uh, when you take a look at what Disney's done, it's more substantial. It's a bit more personal. And at least with this aspect. In this aspect. Yeah, with the Rebel Alliance aspect. And, and, and it refocuses on what what is the core, what is the core, you know, spine of the of the uh, star wars story which is the skywalker bloodline right it goes right back to what jj and kathleen kennedy were talking about in 2013 wanting to put the focus back on the force on the force the mysteries of the force the mysticism of the force in terms of its ability to instill hope that is why they reworked it because you you get this idea that there's an intangible force at work bringing everybody together 
that was their whole point. Yes. That's why it works so much better in my opinion. Now, getting back to the the other the other pros, okay? I feel like them using Vader and em- the Emperor as the the grand architect of the Rebel Alliance, right? Inadvertently, I feel like is just genius. I Be- think it is. Because I really wish we could have kept this part in in the Disney era in some way because it goes right. I mean, Hayden knew his shit when he was writing that aspect into Star Wars. Yeah. Because, and maybe this was Luke, maybe this was part of George Lucas's advice. Hey, keep, he said, put the Emperor in it because he wasn't originally in the original draft. This makes sense. The Emperor orchestrated everything, all the events that would create the Empire. The war between the Separatists and the Republic would lead to the downfall of the Republic, the downfall in both PR from a PR aspect, as well as a ruling aspect, Jedi Council would be destroyed. People would look at them as failures. He single-handedly orchestrated everything. So wouldn't it make sense that he would now create yet another war of sorts, a rebel alliance, so that he can destroy his enemies again? Again. It makes perfect sense. It does. And like... This is one of those things that I really thought about, especially when I was rereading Force Unleashed. It's the concept of Emperor, the Emperor Invader being the center of attention when it comes to the birth of the Rebel Alliance. And comparing it to, say, the Empire was the one who created their own uh, problem by how they treated the people and created the Rebel Alliance. Right. And it's like... Oh, it's, I really do dig like you with the fact that the emperor who now look at it, I mean, the emperor, they had to pull the emperor back out to actually bring, uh, bring back this new energy of excitement for the next movie is like, guess who's back? The emperor who orchestrated everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's. It, it's, it's the really one thing. Tough it's the actually, one thing you have to have. If you're dealing with this era and you're dealing with the grand story of this era between the Republic and the downfall of the Empire, of the, the Empire. rise of the First Order, you have to have Palpatine there. And that's a that's a win. That's uh-huh. a, a definite win with Hayden Blackman's un, uh, Unleashed. Yeah. Especially when you take into account that the Empire, <laughs> this sounds the this sounds strange in my head saying this, but the emperor is the empire. Yeah. You know, he's also the Senate. He, yeah. <laughs> I am the, Senate. I am the Senate. I am the Senate. All right. We got to go to a quick break, Dave. We'll be right back. Now fulfill your destiny. All right. Get more star Wars from the back to tank each and every month. When you sign up to be a Patreon pledger, head over to patreoncom slash rainman digital and pledge $5 or more a month. And you will gain access to more Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions, ranging from book reviews, comic book discussion, and additional topical breakdowns, news, updates, you name it, we do it. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital pledge. It helps us keep the lights on in the studio. If you don't, we're going to be living in rags like Ray. <laughs> the Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. 
apparently. Or fabric of society, so long as they and their weird way of doing sex is, is, is legitimized. That's what they want. Their weird way of having sex or doing sex. I mean, gay folk, they're not aliens. They're not from Trisomia 21. <laughs> they're human beings. They have sex the same way we do. They don't mind meld in order to fuck. <laughs> now then, they don't, maybe they don't have place their fingertips together and they're orgasming. The way these, I mean, Thomas. The, oh, Jesus, he's in the studio. Uh, Thomas, I mean, the way the gays uh, signed those leases for the latest uh, Kia excursion. I mean, it's just, it's madness. The way they do those leases and buy those homes. And, you mean and, with the signature the same way everyone I mean, else their, does? Their credit ratings are just exuberantly high for, for people. From a lack of divorce? It's, it's true. I mean, they live a better life. They have more disposable income than the rest of us. But good golly, they're going to ruin society. <laughs> if anything, we can learn a, a little bit about economics. And, and the life savings from the gay community. <laughs> For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. All right, welcome back to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. Don't forget, Dave, five days a week. That's what we're doing. Five days a week, Star Wars from the Back to Tank. So far, so good. So far, so good. We may fall behind one day, but we'll release two shows. We've already done it. So you know what? We failed, <laughs> but we're still putting out five shows. Still putting out five shows. I just get behind on schedule releases, but they won't be too late. I'm going to try to stay consistent. It's tough, but we're trying to monetize this show a bit better. You know, full disclosure here. We got to bring in some dough in order to keep doing these shows. And I figured, Hey, why not just do more content? I'm not lazy. And that way we can offer more. So head over to patreon.com slash Rayman Digital and pledge $5 or more a month to gain access to the complete five days of shows. Star Wars from the back to tank uh, Monday through Wednesday free on our regular feeds. Thursday and Friday shows will be available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers. Five bucks, Dave. That's nothing. That's nothing. Yeah, that's one latte. Not even one latte. Yeah, cancel your <laughs> your loot crate for one month. Cancel your browsers, your porn hub memberships, which are what like thirty nine bucks a month, David. Yeah, yeah cancel that for one month. Remember, and you, have, you can you can find that stuff for free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, you can't find this for free. And if you do, I will sue you. <laughs> I'll sue you for pirating. <laughs> Go pirate porn. Don't pirate back to tank. All right, Dave. So last bit here. We're talking Star Wars Force Unleashed. If you just have joined us on our live channel, RM Channel 001, this is Legends Wednesday, and we're very excited. All right, so plot. Overall, I think we kind of covered it, right? When it comes to the plot, uh, the overall structuring of the graphic novel is pretty solid. It's solid. Uh, there's issues here and there. There's things that I might have you know, shifted around various parts, but for the most part, it's all there. It's clear. It's concise. Uh, there's a discernible story. There's discernible act breaks. You have the redemption arc. You have the love story, the origins of the rebel alliance, uh, solely resting on Starkiller's shoulders. It's all there. It's about his redemption. Never mind what this man has done. It's about what he's doing now. Now he was working with an ignorance, not really knowing the full scope. And I like it. I also like not really knowing what he's going to decide. I know a lot of that plays into the video game aspect, but from a story aspect, from a narrative for the novel and graphic novel, I feel it works really well overall. 
because it really makes the the storytelling, especially when you read this, it makes it personal to you. You mm-hmm. feel for Star Killer because, like, you feel like you are Star Killer. You you're going to actually. It's up to you to make those. Can I be Star Killer when he makes out with his girlfriend? Oh Ooh. snap! <laughs> She's hot. I like that booty. Can you like the booty on on comic characters? Is that okay? Oh yeah, that's, is, fine. that's not weird. That's not weird. Hey, do you ever look a little long longer? Like, oh, that's pretty nice looking. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, lore, Dave. Some pretty cool things included in the, into this. We don't have time to get into all of it, but I feel like yeah. the most interesting aspect that they threw into the first issue here, or the the, the overall graphic novel number one, part one, uh, the Emperor's Shadow Guard. Loved it. Once uh, Star Killer was on the run, Emperor Invader sent people out to kill him, to hunt him down. They didn't. They didn't bother with hiring bounty hunters. Bah. The go-to, not IG-88, not no. Bobo Fett. Nope. The Emperor's Shadow Guard. And they were an organization of elite force-sensitive soldiers recruited from the defeated remnants of the Sun Guard and Jedi Knights who fell to the dark side. They served the Galactic Empire during the Great Jedi Purge. They were trained by Darth Vader. So a little bit like the Inquisitors. Yeah, these were the pre, the pre, this, this concept was the pre-concept of the Inquisitors. When you think about it, they're trained by Darth Vader. They're all dressed in black. Look at their helmets. I mean, essentially it's, essentially it's the Inquisitors. Yeah. But yeah, the, 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 the concept of the Shadow Guard. Oh my God. The, the I love the fact that. That when you take a look at it, a lot of people take this for granted. This was before the concept of the Inquisitors. Right. And I remember when this first happened in the video game, I was like going, wow, there's more of these guys out there. This just made the – it gave that grand feel of the empire, how powerful they are because it, you started seeing like inklings of, oh, you know, they have this sec this sec oh they have this department right and the fact that at before that time the only ones that we really knew about like prominent guards were the red guards were the emperor's uh uh elite guards that were always around them clad all in red and had their had their force pikes and everything and we only saw them in the movies once which was return of the jedi and they took that concept and said, you know what? Let's make different versions of them. Yeah. What's really cool, Dave, is how they are tortured, I guess. That sounds cruel, but these guardsmen demonstrated force powers of their own, which led many to suspect they were, in fact, former Jedi that had been captured, tortured, and brainwashed by Palpatine. Yeah. But this was a rumor that was never proven. Now, the lore of the Shadow Guard goes even deeper. Near the end of the Clone Wars conflict, the Sith apprentice, Count Dooku, ordered his minion, Ventress, to execute most of the Sun Guard organization. Several of the more devoted Sun Guards were placed in Palpatine's Red Guard, later to join his Royal Guard. Those who were Force-sensitive were selected as candidates for the Emperor's Shadow Guard. Yep. So love the lore, Dave. I, I mean, this is always lore. some of my favorite stuff. Now, interestingly, they're also very similar to the Praetorian Guards. From the First Order. 
Right. Yeah. Snoke's guards that fought Kylo Ren and Rey in Star Wars The Last Jedi. In fact, there was a rumor, I cannot locate it now, and it's not on their wiki, but I believe it was in the art book. You know what? That's where it was at. The Last Jedi art book, the art of The Last Jedi. Yeah. They explained that the Praetorian guards were also tortured. Apparently, there was some type of electrical field within their helmet or within their uniform, their armor that would electrocute them. Yeah, I remember reading something about that. Yeah, I think it was randomly and it would like inflict pain and it helped keep them strong and angry. Yes, because that the, the, it was a way of actually creating almost kind of like a mindless servant just bent yeah. on hate and anger. I would just quit. <laughs> I'm like, God, I'm being tortured all the time. I better be getting paid for this shit. I'm out of here. Later. But honestly, it's really cool that. You think they get good medical benefits? <laughs> they, probably, they probably get Medicare yeah. or Emperor Care. Hey, do I get dental? No. What's no. wondering? I have a cavity, I think. No. <laughs> no. No. You are God. You electrocuted me. <laughs> Ah, right through my tooth. <laughs> I have. I need a prostate exam. Uh, does is it covered in our insurance? No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't say that because then the then the electrocution goes right up your anus. Oh, Jesus, David, that's very aggressive. <laughs> All right. So, any final thoughts on this comic book here? And if you want to talk about the overall story of Unleashed, not part two, but just Unleashed, the first half. One of the, the one thing that I think really is cool that I feel that me and you should talk more about and for like maybe in legends is the concept that basically only recently people have brought this up. The argument of star kill bringing back star killer is because imagine the story you could tell about the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker, Ahsoka Tano going against the, the, the apprentice of Darth Vader star killer. Right. And fans, fans still argue this by far. It's like, what would happen if these two characters meet? But Star Killer, Star and- Killer, and Ahsoka. Ooh. And like, take Ahsoka in Rebels, where she's already kind of in her prime, but she's still considered kind of like the apprentice of Anakin Skywalker. She learned under Anakin. And you take Star Killer, who is the apprentice of Darth Vader at his peak. Who, who would actually win? Because they're I both always, taught I always, by the same person. I always bet on titties. <laughs> always bet on t- especially nowadays. Always bet on titties. Especially nowadays. The titties are going to win. Ahsoka's going to flash Starkiller and go, oh, my weakness. Yeah, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? Liar. <laughs> now, the ele- now the electricity's going through my penis. Oh, man. <laughs> why? What do you mean? That is why you failed. That's why you failed. All right. Anything else you want to add, Dave? No. I mean, like... Honestly, this this franchise gave us so many great moments for Legends. It gave us one of the most fan favorite characters, gave us one of the most fan favorite actors in Sam mm-hmm. Whitmer. And without without this, we wouldn't have probably gotten Darth Maul if I, you think I, about yep, it. You're right. It, I think this role paved the way for his his work on Clone Wars. His, his work on Clone Wars because without without Force Unleashed, we wouldn't have Sam Whitmer. P, uh, playing uh, peeing. was he peeing? peeing? <laughs> playing. Are you still uh, going Maul? back to your fantasies of that? He was peeing on Ahsoka. She liked it. She's into golden showers. 
Look it up, kids, if you don't know what it is. <laughs> don't know what it is. All right. So, yeah, Dave, I agree. In 2007, when this hit the streets, it was super beloved and still is by most still fans. Is. Now, though, 10 plus years later, the series has garnered some hate. I don't agree with it, especially after refreshing my memory by reading this. Yeah. Uh, and I understand some people's hate is due to the over-the-top fantastical moments, the reimagining of the force as a massive energy field that could be manipulated and molded, which, again, that idea isn't new. It's, yeah. I mean, you can always manipulate the force. That's what it means to tap into the force. But a lot of these over-the-top elements pave the way for some pseudo-intellectuals to label the game and Starkiller as hyper-masculine. And the core root problem with the typical Star Wars fanboy. That's what you hear a lot. That's what you hear a lot. Whenever you discuss Starkiller, whenever you talk about Force Unleashed, you will get, whenever you talk about it on social media, you will get someone with some snarky comment reply about how it was hyper-masculine. Like, well, it's a video game. What do you want to be hyper feminine? You want what do you want Star <laughs> Killer to do? Killer to do. Let me be sexist here because I feel like who, who the people who said that are also being sexist by saying it's hyper masculine. So let me just go. Let me just roll in the dirt with them. Let me roll in the mud with them, Dave. What would they like Star Killer to do? Be hyper feminine? Uh, you want him to be a seamstress? Maybe he could be Vader's uh, seamstress. He can sew Vader's clothes together. Vader's <laughs> clothes. Is together. that an interesting story you'd like to see in a video game? Who would be the boss? Like the the dry cleaners? Would that be the boss you fight against at the end? It's fucking stupid. Especially, complaints are dumb. What do you? It's a video game. Well, you want them to plant crops? Yeah. Is that the level? You, you level up by planting just enough crops before the season ends? Fucking stupid. It's, it's fucking a video stupid. game where a guy uses a lightsaber to mow down people. And the adapted material, the video game, you know, from the video game, the books and the comics, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's going to highlight those moments. But yeah, yeah and those are some of the issues I had with the story. But I'm not gonna downplay the great aspects of this because of your hyper masculine complaints it's very silly it's very silly because like you're dealing with a character who is being taught by one of the greatest villains villains in the entire franchise david you're sounding very masculine right now okay (laughs) don't talk like that in fact let's do the rest of the show like that Uh, let's just get a really deep voice Really, really deep voice. Really deep voice. We're going to be over masculine here. <laughs> All right. So I'm the titties and alcohol. Uh, oh, that- <laughs> <laughs> I think there should have been more boobs in this comic. More boobs and more groping. More smoking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Let's end this show right now. Five days a week. Find us patreon.com slash Raidman Digital. If you want Thursday's show, pledge $5 or more a month, or I'm going to go to your house and punch you in the face with my fists and then fuck you. Yeah, because I'm overly masculine, man, right now. Hey, everyone. I got to go now because I got to go get a tattoo. And don't forget, may the force be with you or I'll fist you. Yeah. <laughs> Fuckers. Ah, yes. <laughs>